figure it out as you go, but just believe in yourself, have a good product, treat others with respect and, and just do it. Don't get caught up in the fear of like, I don't have the business plan. I don't know how to do this because you just Google it and you just figure it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Make It Inevitable podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Zamora. And today we have a very exciting, expanding interview. And I will be talking to Tracy B. Johansson, who is the visionary co-founder and CEO behind Three Sons Foods. Their salsas have reached a vast audience and are distributed across 1,100 stores nationwide. And we will talk more about it at the end, but it is absolutely delicious. Tracy and her three sons, Aiden, Luke, and George, have a mission of making the world a better place through entrepreneurship. And yes, it is a kid-owned and kid-run business with a bit of help from mom. Tracy, <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about this, this, this talk that we're about to have. Yeah. I'd love to start with you sharing a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you do. Um, so my sons and I uh, started a business called Three Sons Foods about six years ago. We actually, it was a fundraiser that kind of, we forced gumped our way into this industry. <laughs> um, but we basically produce a line of award-winning creamy cilantro sauces for the preservation of animal conservation. So for Diablo Verde, we give back to rhino conservation. And for Diablo Vegan, we give back to wolf conservation. And it's not just... Um, you know, it, it's not just a fundraiser or just something that we just kind of fell upon. We have been involved in rhino conservation for 11, 12 years now um, and, and wolf conservation as well. So it's really near and dear to our hearts. Beautiful. And where are you in the world? Where are the boys? Are they all at home with you still? <sighs> So we, um, we're in Katy, Texas, which is just outside of Houston, Texas. I am a sixth generation Texan. Boys are seventh generation on my side. Um, and actually, I have one now at Penn State and one uh, in San Marcos, which uh, in, that's Luke, and he's at Texas State. So Aiden is the oldest, and he wants to become a microbiologist. Wow. <laughs> that is so cool. You must be such a proud mama. I'm, I'm really proud of, of all three of them. Um, you know, entrepreneurship, small family businesses, you know, they, um, you know, a lot, I mean, it's not something new that we're doing. Um, what's different is that they all actually own a portion of the business and we did start this together. The youngest was nine years old. And so our story originated with Luke, my middle son, um, and if you see pictures of us, he's the big shouldered one. So when he was five turning six, he found out about what was going on with rhinos in Africa and, and throughout the world. <clears throat> and they're being poached for their horns and um, what they do. And just to kind of let people know who may not know about what's going on with the rhinos is they will poach them for their horns. And um, a rhino horn is made out of keratin, which is the same thing as your fingernails. So they grind up the horn and they make medicine out of it. Um, they'll cut it with Viagra or cocaine. They'll sell it as a cure for impotence or cancer. And it's just like chewing on your fingernails. So, wow. um, so what's going on is we're down to five species. One of the, one of those five species actually only have two females left. So that's a Northern right rhino. Um, so at 
five years old, he learned about what was going on with rhinos and he decided to ask his friends to bring donations for rhino conservation in lieu of gifts. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of Luke because that's just who he is as a person, like very giving. He loves animals. Um, at the same time, I had a creamy cilantro sauce that I would refer to as salsa de Diablo Verde. Um, we made a lot of fish tacos. Of course, here in Texas, we eat a lot of Tex-Mex. And I would, you know, I'd make it at home and fresh and I would give away to teachers and neighbors at Christmas time. So five years into his fundraising birthday parties, you know, I said, hey, let's start selling mom's creamy cilantro sauce to raise even more money. And we did. And, um, you know, that that was actually November of 2016. And uh, it was a fundraiser that just took off. Um, personally, I knew that I was probably headed to become a single mom at the time. And so I, I kind of, you know, I had been working part time raising the kids and I knew, of course, I need, I knew I needed a job. <laughs> so, uh, and I had limited opportunities, or at least I, I thought that's, that's a story I was telling myself, right. Yeah. That I had limited opportunities. <clears throat> uh, so I said to myself, well, I could go back to real estate, uh, I had at that time, I'd had a couple of jobs as a photographer. I could do that. Uh, or I could start a business with my kids. And um, yeah. so I, I came to Luke and I said, hey, what do you think about, you know, making a business out of this? And he's like, you know, he's like, I don't know, 11 at the time. He's like, sure, whatever. <laughs> that sounds cool. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what if we bring your brothers on board? And, um, and then, you know, kind of the deal that we made with his brothers is once it's time to bring in other products, we'll help your animal cause. So that's kind of where the, the wolf conservation comes from. And then our next uh, mission is to clean up the oceans. So, so yeah, wow. so basically we just, we kind of did that. <laughs> I think this is such a beautiful example of you can be entrepreneurial, you can start a business, you can earn a living, and you can also do good in the world. And it doesn't always have to be directly related to the thing that you're doing. You know, like you're you're yeah. making salsas and sauce, but you're helping very specific animals. And that comes from the passion of your son. And I, I just love that because, and again, for this show, this is all about making the impossible inevitable. And there are so many people in my community and audience that they're passionate about something. They're worried about the world, aren't we all? And they're worried about different aspects of the world and the environment and people and, and nature and animals. And it doesn't mean that you have to dedicate your life directly to doing something with that cause. You can do something else that you're called towards or that you're great at, and that can help support the thing that you care about. So a hundred percent. And, you know, it's so funny because I didn't think it was a big deal um, when we started because my son was interested in rhinos and I have salsa. It made sense to me, but so many people, especially with marketing backgrounds are like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what you make salsa. You're from Texas. You like rhinos. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what's the problem with that? You know? Um, but I mean, we're a global community and um, I don't know. I mean, come on. Like, why not help a rhino? Not, why not? Why not help if that's wolf, what speaks you know? to you, that's the thing. There's no, there's no wrong calling to follow if that's the one that tugs at your heart and soul. And I think that's, that's beautifully reflected here. So, so thank you for sharing all of that. And I would really love to go back to the beginning of your journey. And I know a little bit about your story, both from what I've seen on your website, the, you know, some of the information that you sent me and some articles that have been written about you. And I remember reading that, 
when you started out, your local farmer's market didn't want you to sell there because they didn't believe that you could succeed. So talk us through that. What was the kind of drive to start selling at the farmer's market? What was it like to hear that? Did it hit on any of your own internal limiting beliefs? And how did you navigate that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, for some reason, in this instance, I I knew in my gut, I could see it on the shelves. Like I knew when I, I just knew. So here in Texas, we have a store called HEB and they're, they're an amazing store. Uh, you can go get sushi, you can go get organic food, you can go get cheap toilet paper. And, um, you know, my boys have grown up there and I knew, I just knew that we would be on the shelves there. Mm -hmm. So when the farmer's market was kind of like, uh, no, I just said, I just kept knocking. I just kept knocking. Um, but there's other instances in my life where I have allowed fear. I've allowed other people's opinions to create fear in my life. Um, you know, I, we have people in our lives and they, they, they mean well, or they think they mean well, but because you're doing it a different way that makes them nervous, that brings up their feelings of their insecurities and they will, you know, they'll voice those concerns or they put their fears on you. Um, so I have allowed in other instances, I have allowed that to influence me. But for this, thank God I, I didn't let that. And she's she, a nice lady. We laughed about it later. Um, I didn't let her deter me. Um, mm -hmm. And every, you know, there, you know, at the same time that we got into the farmer's market and started selling and things like that, we also, I would go, the boys and I would like put salsa in the car and we drive around to like the local mom and pop stores. And yeah, not everybody said yes. And we got a couple of crazy looks. But once they tasted the sauce, then, you know, either the owner or the manager of the store would, would be like, yes, but not every store, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now I'm work. I'm been knocking on a major grocery chain for years, almost begging them. I just went and pitched to them in Dallas and they said no again. And I said, oh, that's OK, honey, I'll keep knocking. <laughs> Where do you think that that comes from? I know that you have a history of entrepreneurship in your family. Is that part of your personality? Is something you learned over time, something that you were mentored around, that idea of just because someone says no? And, and let me preface this by saying also something that we talk a lot about on the show and, and in this work is that a no moves you forward as much as a yes. But it doesn't always feel that way. It feels like the end of the world and we tell ourselves a story about it. It means that your sauce is garbage and you're an idiot for trying and whatever else story you might tell yourself. But you seem to have had this just anchor in yourself of, okay, what's next? And I would love to hear where that came from for you. You're, you ask the good questions. Um, you know, I think when you have mouths to feed mm. and you have looked at your three sons and said, I, we can do this, I think that is the drive yeah. for me. Now, do I have that in every aspect of my life? No. Do I have that, that confidence in every aspect of my life? I do not. And I wish I did. And even in business, um, you know, sometimes, I mean, yes, I've made many mistakes throughout the six years, many mistakes. Uh, and I've fallen down. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I get back easily, like get back up easily. And sometimes I don't. Uh, sometimes it takes my sons to get me back up. But um, 
I, I don't know. I just, when I, I set myself, you know, one thing like Aiden and, and all, all of my boys uh, played sports and I coached them and I come from a coaching family and I've always taught them, uh, you know, they did a lot of track and cross country. I've always said, you know, look at your goal and don't look at the competition because that's going to slow you down. Yeah. So I think that's what I do is like, I have a goal of having my sauce on that shelf and, and, you know, and also the people that say, oh, no, you can't do it. Or, oh, no, this isn't going to sell. Oh, you know, the salsa aisle in Texas is, you know, a mile long and you're you're just another salsa. <laughs> Honey, bring it on because I <laughs> will prove you wrong. And I think that comes from, you know, my sports background. Got it. You know? That makes a lot of sense. And, yeah. you know, I didn't play a lot of sports when I was younger. I think I was on like a soccer team and maybe like a peewee softball league or something. But that team aspect really teaches you to think beyond yourself and to do that while considering others with the end goal in mind. And I can see also I'm, I'm not a mother. I know a lot of wonderful mothers in the world. And I've, I've heard something similar, like when you're responsible to and for someone else, especially someone else that literally cannot survive without you, legally cannot be out in the world without you to certain degrees, like that is a different level of drive and motivation. And I'm, I'm curious for you, because I know that this started with your son having the drive to save the rhinos, became a fundraiser. At what point did you see that vision that that would be on shelves? And did you decide that no matter what, you were going to make that happen? I, I have always taught my sons to be people of their word, you know, a man of your word, a woman of your word, whatever. Because I feel like, especially here in America, it doesn't matter where you have come from. You can come from a rich family. You can come from a poor family. You can come from no education, high, high, highly educated. It really is based on what you produce and what you, you deliver. And if you, if you tell someone you're going to do something and you don't do it, uh, continuously, if you let people down, you're, you're not going to have a business or people are not going to trust you. And so for me, looking at my sons and saying, we can do this, I, I had to, I have to stay focused, you know, on that, on that goal and show them because I, one thing that in, in our business, you know, they were quite young when we started and they have grown up learning business 101. And they are at the table and they are helping me make decisions and things like that. Um, you know, they and, and they're learning every day and they're learning by watching me. And they're also learning by watching other people that we come across in business. Right. Yeah. So yesterday I talked to uh, an attorney that had advised us not to go with a particular opportunity that we had. And, um, and the boys also didn't have a good feeling about it. And I finally uh, reached out to the gentleman. I said, you know what, we're not going to proceed with this relationship, this business relationship. And, uh, and I was telling the attorney, I said, you know, at, when you're working with us, just let you, just to let you know, you're helping me raise, raise my, my sons. You're helping me by your business practices. And they're seeing your business practices. They're, you're helping me raise good boys in their show because uh, they've seen examples of people that have good business practices and people that haven't. They've seen, you know, 
people that scream at us, you know, I've, I've, we've been screamed at before and I, and that's, you know, and, and threatened, we've been threatened and that's just, that's business sometimes. Yeah. I wish it wasn't, but it is. (laughs) I mean, especially there's so many different business models, but I can't, I can only imagine because I've never been in an industry or a business like yours that you're dealing with so many different people and things just to sell your product, you know, selling websites and marketing and copywriting and coaching and programs is, is very different, especially online, than having a brick and mortar, than trying to get into stores, than dealing with the legalities and the, I would imagine, risks of selling a food product <laughs> on a mass scale. And I, I love that you said that because we can learn so much from other people, even if they are not doing the same thing as us, which is exactly why we have these interviews. We can see the way people navigate different things. So your son's being able to learn from your lawyer and his good practices, as well as probably learning a lot from those interactions that were negative or scary or difficult or challenging or or heightened emotionally. I would love to know for you, and I know that we opted to just have you on this versus your boys, so you can only speak for them so much, but were there any particular incidences that really hit on either your own core wounding or past traumas or your own limiting beliefs and stories that you really had to fight and work to overcome to stay in motion? And did you see any of that with your boys as well? Yes. Yeah, so I'm definitely a glasses half full. Um, my oldest son, Aiden is definitely a, a glasses half empty kind of person. And so, um, and, you know, that's just who he is. Um, and so it's been, I, I almost kind of want to, you know, what, how, how we grow and when we grow and things like that. I love proving him wrong. Mom, no, it's not going to do well in the Northeast part of the United States. Yeah, it is. It's going to do good. I can't wait to get into, you know, Wegmans and things like that and say, see, babe, I told you. (laughs) So, um, but for me, the fear, um, and I don't know if it's because they're boys or what, but um, I I grew up with two amazing, wonderful, vibrant parents that both had a drinking problem. And so there was a lot of drama and things like that. Uh, At one point we were on food stamps, right? And so, you know, I do that, that fear comes back. And when you're, when you grow up in a household with, you know, with drinking and and drama and and there's screaming and things like that, you learn to, yes, ma'am. And, and you're quiet. Uh, And so I have had to teach myself, you know, don't, don't go for the safe decision because in, in the end, the safe decision is actually the mistake. And that's, that's not the safest thing. When you make a mistake and have to rewind, it's, it's actually the worst decision you can make. So yeah, I personally, I've had to, I, and I've talked to them about that and they know how I grew up. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've had to, to teach myself over and over again, don't make decisions out of fear. Don't make decisions out of fear. And also I do deal with anxiety and depression and that comes from fear. So yeah. when I allow the fear into my mind, then I then anxiety comes. When anxiety comes, depression comes. So if I can keep that fear away, I'm good to go. <laughs> Absolutely. Are there any specific tools or resources that have helped you the most with that? 
Uh, outside, outside, outside. I go outside uh, as much as I can throughout the day. My desk is always near a window. Um, I love what I do and I can work a lot. So making, and you know, my boys have taught, taught me this, no talk about business at the dinner table. And um, mm. so, you know, really disconnecting from my job. Cause even though I love what I do, yeah. I need, I need that time away. So, you know, go to a yoga class, go out dancing with my girlfriends, um, go outside with the dog. Now I have a one-year-old Belgian Malawal, so it's not too hard <laughs> to go out. So like, she's like, let's go. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. So, uh, so I, yeah. I mean, really those, those things help me. And uh, of course, eating healthy and clean and, you know, stay away from the sugar. <laughs> yeah. Especially with anxiety. And, and I second that with nature, nature for me as well has a very calming grounding effect and it, it teaches you to slow down and it reminds you that yes, what's going on in life is important in some ways, but it's not the end all be all like there's a much bigger world and you're a part of that. And it just, it can really slow the nervous system down. I know. Even if you just go outside for like five or 10 minutes and pull a couple of weeds, because nowadays we're all working remote from our homes. And so there is an isolation, but getting outside and just barefoot, feeling that yeah. feeling that dirt underneath your feet. Yeah. 100 percent. Well, let's talk yeah. a little bit about I know from reading your story that and you mentioned you kind of knew that your marriage was headed towards divorce. But at one point in your journey, the divorce happened and you were left without an income. And if I remember correctly, your ex said something that was had nothing was nowhere near having faith in you pursuing this and making this a possibility and having that background of having grown up and needed food stamps and having that deeply rooted fear and, and maybe different stories around money and success and being able to provide for yourself, I'm sure. What was that period like? And, and to also face so many people telling you that you were crazy to go out there and continue selling sauce. How did you work through all of that? And also, if you're willing to be open and honest about the financial piece, absolutely no pressure. But how did you get through that time not having any income? Um, so I do want to start off with saying, you know, my um, my children's father is a really wonderful man. He's a great dad. Um, but yes, the words were, you'll never make it without me. And I went, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the ammunition. Your favorite challenge. <laughs> I'm like, that's just, yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, but, you know, those first few months, um, you know, I, we made sure that we had good margins and it was tight those first couple of years. And it still can be tight because as an entrepreneur, your income comes, goes up and down. And so, you know, we have rental homes and we just make it work and we clip coupons and we eat at home a lot, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. and yeah, so, I mean, you know, any single mom with three teenage boys and, um, food for athletic boys and all that, you know, they know that be beans and rice is a good meal, <laughs> you know, with some pico de gallo yeah. on it. We're good. <laughs> so, yeah, so we make it, um, so financially, yeah, I mean, it was it was a little struggle at the beginning, but, you know, we figured it out. And what was the yeah, second part think, of that question? 
Well, I would love to, to continue on this and then we'll go back to the second part. You know, that's a great example of sometimes we have to sacrifice, not eat out all the time, not buy all the things that we want at the store in this using your example. And I think that there can be a struggle for a lot of people with that. Like we don't want things to be hard. We want them to be easy. We want them to be handed to us. Again, if we don't get that success right away and we don't replace our income right away with our new venture, we start to tell ourselves stories of I'm not cut out for this or, you know, my ex was right or whatever it might be. When really it's just a part of the process of bringing your vision to life is sometimes you have to sacrifice. Sometimes you have to struggle and even suffer for it. And I, I don't believe that we always have to suffer and that things always have to be insanely challenging and hard before they can be successful. And also there are moments of that. And I would be curious, you know, because you have this clearly baked into your personality from just who you are, your upbringing, things you've been through in life, like what motivates you personally, you have this thing that's like, okay, I hear you, I'm going to prove you wrong, where not everybody does. And so I would love to hear what you would share with somebody who's like, it's harder than I thought it would be. And especially with the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship, like I'm stressed, I'm scared, I don't know if I can see this through. And maybe they don't naturally have that inner like, all right, let's get it done. Like, let's prove everybody wrong. What would you say to them? Uh, yeah. So to be honest, I have looked back a couple of times and went, oh, shit, what did I do? <laughs> um, and that's OK. It's OK. to. I mean, sometimes you're going to have self-doubt. Um, but once you jump off the cliff, you got to fly, honey, because the alternative is you're just going to hit the ground. Uh, and I have a personal thing that's kind of, uh, I say, breathe, jump, fly. Um, and so, yeah, you do get scared. And even, and, and you, I think for me, you know, I have a lot of friends, but I have some really great handful of friends that never remind me of my mistakes. They only keep sharing me on. And so it's really, really important to have people around you. So when you forget who you are, they remind you. So that uh, you've got to have a good foundation, you know, uh, and I do, I have some really great friends that have been there for me um, when, when I get down or when I forget who I am. Um, and, you know, there, there are, you have to also eliminate the time you spend with, with the negative people in your life, even though some, some of those people could be family, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever, you know, we all have that well-meaning person, family member in our life that wants yeah. to bring up the negative. Well, what if, Oh, well, I don't know. I don't think you're going to make it in that store. Oh, I, I, you know, and, um, and you, you limit your time with them or limit the conversation that you have about your, your dream Yes, is my advice. Yeah. Because that boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries. Yeah. Because you don't need to, like, I'm a Pisces. I absorb people's feelings. And so I just, yeah, I, I can't, I can't let that in because that negativity, I can't let that in. Yeah. I've got important yeah, things I to agree. do. I've got mouths to feed and animals to save yeah. and universities to pay for. And, <laughs> you know, I've got, so I can't let that, I got to keep like, you know, when you're running your race, don't look back. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. that. That's so important. And, and same, I, I have always and continue to have very big visions for my life and my work, and I hold it close to my heart until 
A, I'm anchored in it. Like I'm really clear on what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing it and that I'm going to do it no matter what so that nobody else can infiltrate it. Like I feel like there are early in our visions, especially the big ones, the big scary ones that we've never done before. We've never seen anyone around us do before. It's very easy for people to undermine those with they're loving a lot of times family and friends. It's, it's they care. They love you. And they're also projecting their own fears. It's easy for that to kind of seep in. And so I'm the same way in that I will if I if I'm talking to someone about it and they start to be negative or under try to undermine me or whatever projecting. It's like, OK, well, you're not a person I can talk to about this. And I become more and more boundaried and I insulate that vision so that I'm able to continue moving on it. Okay. That was beautifully said. A hundred percent agree with everything you just said and beautifully put. Yeah. You have to protect. That's another thing. It's like what you have is special. You've got to protect it. Yeah, absolutely. And when you have the vision for something, which is, is what I want to touch on next, it is yours to protect. Like it's part of your calling, whatever you believe, whatever your faith and religion is like, it's part of what you're here to do. If you feel called to do it. And for you, I know you said you had that vision of it being on the shelves. Something that we talk a lot about within the work on the show is way of being work and kind of bridging the gap between who you are now and the version of self who has what you want and pulling that version of self into the now and acting as that person to to move yourself forward more quickly. And it's kind of like calling on qualities and beliefs and realities that you haven't experienced yet or you don't have yet so that you're better able to align with what you want. And I'm curious if when you had the vision of being on shelves, did you have any, was there anything beyond that? Was it the vision of you being the CEO of that company, of your boys being the co-owners of it and what that would look like? And did you lean on any of that to kind of pull yourself forward? Yes. So uh, another vision that I had is us going to South Africa and working at one of the rhino reserves. And we were able to accomplish that in 2020. And so that, um, yeah. And and then also, you know, one thing that I didn't realize um, early on is how many opportunities my sons would have. Like they have, we pitched as a team to Walmart, to HEB, to Albertsons and, you know, to United. I mean, they've been in front of these, these corporate, you know, heads of companies and they, so that's another thing. And so now as we grew, I, of course, more visions, more opportunities, because now I'm like, wow, with this experience at such a young age, I can't wait to see what they do. And also, you know, because we we followed Luke's passion for rhino conservation. It's inspired the whole family to give more, to have a, 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 a wider uh, mindset on we are a global community. And we, I mean, not that I didn't have that and I didn't teach that them that and things like that, but it's ingrained in us. And, and, you know, we all, we, you know, there's moments when, Luke and, and I mean, when Aiden, George and I will look at Luke and just applaud him and say, thank you for bringing us onto this journey. Of course, he's so humble and he's like, whatever, she made the salsa. Like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it was because of him, you know, so. Absolutely. How do you feel you and your three boys have been shaped 
by all of this? Like, how have you grown? And more specifically, how have you grown more into like the truest, most fully expressed versions of yourself? And I understand that that they're still younger, so they have a lot of life ahead of them. But yeah, I would love to hear about that. So for anybody that's in a partnership, uh, whether it's a relationship or a family business uh, or even a business, you you get to know your uh, your business partners really well, their strengths or weaknesses. And the four of us have done that. Um, we're closer than I think maybe other moms and, and, and children are in the fact that I know them in a professional manner. So for instance, um, one thing that was really kind of funny is last night, George, George, who just turned 16 a few months ago and just got his car. And I came home from dinner with my best friend and he wasn't supposed to go out and take his car and he did. And so of course, <laughs> you know, mom grounds him and we have a talk and things like that. And then in the next <laughs> And then I go up to his room. I'm like, so I need your advice on this interview that I'm doing tomorrow. Like, what, what do you think I should wear? And, you know, and, and he's like, well, if I help you, am I still grounded? I'm like, no, no, I'm mom now. <laughs> I mean, I was mom then. Now I'm, I'm your business partner. Yeah. <laughs> so one doesn't have anything to do with it. But um, I mean, how we've grown, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. how we've grown is, uh, well, that one definitely is a good negotiator. <laughs> But yeah. I think, you know, we've learned um, if you, you know, the saying is like, if you really want to get to know yourself, start a business. And and it's true. Yes. And if you really want to get to know your family members, start a business with them and you have to communicate. And, and there's things that I'm really good at and things that I'm not really good at. And, um, you know, with this particular uh, business relationship that we were looking at this week, I mean, I'm. I'm texting Aiden. I'm like, call me when you're out of class because I, I need a feedback, you know. And so <laughs> I they know that I that I have to talk things through. And I also know yeah. that Aiden is more conservative. So I want to hear that side, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I think we've all grown. But I also think that we've grown as a family. But we've also like I've grown. I can see now where my strengths are and where my weaknesses are because you have to self-evaluate. When you come up against something in your business and it brings you to your knees and you have to get back up again, you're going to have to self-evaluate because you don't want to make that mistake again. And that's true in life too, you know, because if you continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, you know, and, or what is it? If you continue to do the same thing, expect different returns. It's like the definition right, of insanity. It's, uh, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But in business, when you make mistakes, it often costs you money. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you want to you want to correct. And if you're for me as the mom and the CEO and like the, the head of the company, when I make mistakes, I feel that mother's guilt because I feel like, oh, God, I've let them down, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> that's a lot to navigate yeah. all at once. The layers of it. I can't imagine. I it's just me. It's been just me for a long time. And then it's now me and my partner and we're growing our team. And it's, it's different when you have other people at the table with you, other personalities, yeah. other preferences, other ways of doing things. And to have that layer of also being their mom, I can only imagine adds just so much more to every consideration and conversation. Yes, because in business, we're equals. But as a family, I'm 
You know what I mean? So it's just, yeah. Yep. But it's okay because now I know when to, you know, okay, now I'm the mom. Now I'm your business partner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of conversations. Of course, if they were here, they would say something else. <laughs> <laughs> they would be like, she tells us what to do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of conversation, so conversation <laughs> is really the most important way of moving impossible things forward. That's that's my belief. That's part of the work. Doing matters. Who you're being matters. The conversations that you're engaged in internally and externally matter a great deal because they're shaping your world and your experience and they're moving you forward or they're keeping you where you are. And you said that you got a lot of no's. And I would love for you to share, especially with the audience, because again, when we get no's or we get people who are projecting their fears onto us or telling us we need to do something different, it's really easy to believe that and to trigger our core wound stories and to get derailed completely. And again, a no moves us forward as much as a yes, but I would love if you could share some examples of more challenging conversations that you had, more difficult no's to hear and your internal process to move through that. I know that you're very much like, oh, let's, okay, next, let's go to the next. But is there any light you can shine on any conversation that you have internally with yourself or even with your boys about why it's okay and what we'll do next and how to move through some of that healthy, but at times difficult disappointment? Yeah, it's, it's, it can be frustrating because you do, I come up against dead ends all the time. What, what, what seems like a dead end. And then you just kind of find a different way around it. Um, for us personally, I am so thankful for our customers because it's because of them that we're on the shelves of these stores. Because it's, and yes, you have to, you know, you have to go through the buyer and, and you have a broker that helps you and, you know, all this, there's all these things about the food industry, you know, and there's everybody, you know, every layer, right? But if our customer wasn't buying our sauce and that, to me, every time I hear a no from a corporate person, right? Um, to me, I'm like, that's okay, because our customer loves us. And, and if, as long as I keep doing right by their customer, then, then, then they'll, you know, we'll, we'll sell and we can help, you know, the rhinos and the wolves. So as long as, as I'm doing the right thing for the customer and creating a good product and, and there is customer service in, you know, the online orders get shipped out ASAP. And, and if we make a mistake or if something breaks, you, you know, you give them a, a different, you know, you ship them a different jar and you give them a discount and, you know, you have the best customer service. Um, and, and, you know, with the, with the, the stores, you know, we go and we sample in the grocery stores to teach people. It's not just a salsa, like you can put it on salmon, you can put it on pasta and things like that. And so yeah. we try to add value to the customer. And so as long as I'm doing that, then the, the grocery stores are going to pay attention to me is my Absolutely. thought, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, totally. <laughs> Building a loyal, committed following is is such a huge difference and, and taking good care of them because then they are more likely to refer you, not only because it tastes amazing, which it does, but because they appreciate you as the owners and the way that you treat them and the care that you give to them. Well, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, treat others as you would like to be treated, right? We all want to be 
valued. We all want, you know, this is your hard-earned money. You know, I, I bought this glass with my hard-earned money. And, you know, if I had a bad experience at the store or if it broke, like right after I bought it, I would not be happy, right? And I wouldn't go back to that store. And, and you know, we just, we want to be valued when we're, when you know, someone worked hard for that money and they buy this product and I want them to, to get value out of it. I want them to, because a lot of sauces will, you know, you won't eat the whole jar because people just use it as a chip dip. Right. So I want to make sure, like we put the QR codes and have the recipes on it so people know, don't just, it's not just for your chips, like put it on your eggs, put it on your salad. And to me, I want, you know, when you come home from work or, or whatever the situation is in, in your household, I want you to be able to cook a quick meal and then be able to do homework with your, your kids and spend time with your spouse and have time to go walk the dog or watch Netflix or whatever you want to do. You know, you shouldn't be in the kitchen for yeah. hours, you know. No. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, I don't want to create something you... healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. have delicious and healthy. And I love that you have a vegan version. I'm not a vegan anymore, but I was for a long time. So I, I love that that's an option. And I would love kind of as a, a closing before we talk more about the business and where people can find you, if you could share how you learned all of this, because I think I know that is a big obstacle for a lot of people. And one of the things that makes it feel impossible is if they're doing something they've never done before. So was there product sales entrepreneurship in your family did you have to learn it all yourself and and how did you work through that okay so i want everybody to listen to this okay anybody that thinks that they have to have a, like a 12 page business plan let me tell you our business plan was make salsa sell salsa save rhinos okay that's all and yes like my father was in real estate i have a real estate background i also work in theater and you know um yeah, as a choreographer and things like that. I, yes, I was a waitress uh, in college and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't in this business before I was in this business. I knew that if I put my salsa in a jar and I looked at what I, what I spent to make that salsa, and then I added what I needed to give to the animals and then a little bit more so we could, you know, reinvest in the company. I, I knew that. Um, and then I just talked to other entrepreneurs, you know, um, and and I just kind of figured it out. I mean, you have the Internet now, so it's way easy. <laughs> I mean, it's way easier than Much it was, easier. you know, 30, yeah, 30 years ago. Um, so, yeah. So tell everybody, everybody, listen, you don't have to have a complicated business plan. Just do it. Just jump off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. You just have you to go. have belief. Figure it out as you go, but just believe in yourself, have a good product, treat others with respect and, and just do it. Don't get caught up in the fear of like, I don't have the business plan. I don't know how to do this because you just Google it and you just figure it out. Yeah. Yes. Preach. Thank you for saying all of that. And, and thank you for being here and for sharing your journey. And I'd love to take the last couple of minutes to Please share more about the business. We're going to put all the links and information in the show notes, but tell them where they can find you, everything that you offer. And also for anyone who, for whatever reason, can't or does not want to buy salsa and sauce, trying to say them not at the same time, <laughs> how can they support the rhinos? Uh, so for the rhinos, we give back to um, endangered rhino conservation and um, 
International Rhino Foundation. And then for St. Francis, uh, for, for uh, Diablo Vegan, we get back to wolf conservation and that's St. Francis Wolf Sanctuary. So on our website, threesensefoods.com, you can find links to their organization. Um, so we do have our Diablo Verde line in mild, medium and hot. And then we have our Diablo Vegan line in mild, medium and hot. Um, there are excellent creamy cilantro sauces. This is a buttermilk base. This is a coconut cream base. Um, yeah. Chip dip, vegetable dip, salad dressing, empanadas, samosas, burritos, pasta, fish tacos, um, baked salmon. It's really good. Chicken. Uh, and then we also have a coupon code for your viewers. It is make it happen 15. So it'll give you 15% off on our website. Uh, and we didn't put an expiration date on that. So, you know, you can Thank make that you. and share it with your friends and things like that. Yeah, so, it is um, delicious. Delicious. Thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, just to let you know, um, we do give back to Rhino Conservation for Diablo Verde, Wolf Conservation for Diablo Vegan. Um, and I know we talked a lot about the rhinos, the wolves here in America, um, they have taken them out of the wild and it's changed our vegetation. Um, and so it, it affects our ecosystem and Absolutely. which it affects. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We don't, <laughs> but yeah, we don't thank think you about so that. much. Yeah. Yeah. No. And so here in, in Texas, we have a feral hog issue. So the feral hogs are destroying the farmlands and the ranches, which is killing family businesses. Yeah. So it's not just about the ecosystem. It actually affects our economy here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So and, and all of our sauces are preservative free, gluten free, soy free, egg free, nut free, all natural, keto friendly, nothing synthetic, nothing artificial. And it's it's a a lot of flavor and don't be, don't be afraid of the Diablo. I promise you medium is my favorite. I don't want to sweat when I eat. Yeah. I want flavor <laughs> with a little bit of spice, but if you don't like spice, go with mild, but if you don't like spice, go with hot. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing. I know it would be easy to look at what you guys have built and be like, ah, oh, they're just selling another salsa and sauce. And it's like, you're not, you're teaching your kids to be, entrepreneurial and to make a difference and the fact that that's the mission of your company and that you're you're supporting causes that you all believe in and and expanding that as you're able to like that that gives me goosebumps and it's such a beautiful example to everyone who's going to see this and hear your story that again even if it doesn't seem like the thing that you feel called to create is directly related to the causes that you care most about they can support them absolutely you, okay, your words are very nice, so thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. That means a lot to me, so thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today and being a part of our incredible community of purpose-driven individuals. If you are ready to put these teachings into practice in your own life, head on over to www.stephaniezamora.com slash podcast, where you'll get access to our collection of actionable and easy-to-implement workbooks. That includes our renowned methodology for making the impossible inevitable that's helped hundreds of individuals worldwide get into motion on their most important goals. Plus, our comprehensive guide to stopping self-sabotage and navigating the terror barrier with more grace and ease. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.